Hey, um, well, this message is uh, going to be really good for probably most of you, except for you, you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but actually, this is going to be better than the first service, because I got to practice on them today, and uh, you guys get the real deal. So we're starting a new series that we're calling Better Together, and um, it's also in light of the fact that we are starting connect groups this week. We are a church that does not do connect groups. We are a church of connect groups. Like this is something that's uh, just a value of us. We have four values in our church that we have said from day one. One is the word. Two is the Holy Spirit. Three is generosity. We think without these things, um, you'll, you'll be an unhealthy Christian and um, a good risk that you can lose your faith. And the fourth today is one that we're going to do a full series on starting this week, and it's, uh, it's relationships. And so today we're talking about how we are together, better together. We're better together. Um, I was going to have uh, us uh, play that song by Jack Johnson, but I figured I'd just sing it for you guys instead. And so, we're better together. It's not how it goes. It's not the melody. It's not the tone. I can't sing. So welcome, guys. Anyways, it, Jack Johnson is my favorite. And uh, my son, he's eight. And uh, I've trained him to know that Jack Johnson's the coolest artist. And so whenever he doesn't want to listen to anything I'm listening to, he goes, hey, Dad, can we put on Jack Johnson? Done. Done. It's good. So anyways, uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, one can put 1,000 to fly. Two can put 10,000. Uh, I did some research this week. Uh, and, uh, you know, a horse can pull about 8,000 pounds, they say. Um, and two horses actually can, can pull 24,000 pounds. And it just get, it grows and multiplies the more uh, horses, the more weight that they can maximize those efforts. It's the same way with the body of Christ. It's the same way um, with just about anything. You know, every army that's been successful um, in, in, in being awesome has been an army that's trained each other to protect and to work together to protect the person next to you, not yourself. And uh, I think of Sparta, right? Like the, the, I am Sparta. And uh, I need to grow my beard out a little bit more before I say that, right? But, you know, they're like, they had this, like, this awesome shield wall where like they would protect the guy next to them and the guy next to him would protect them. And that's why the U.S. military really is as strong as we are. We're one military who, who trains people. I mean, one of the first things they do is they make people repel from a wall with someone else holding the rope. That's difficult to do. You know, you got to trust that joker. Uh, but in life, this is the way the U.S. military operates, is that you go into battle knowing that someone else has got your six. And, uh, and this is why one of the reasons why we're so successful is because you have someone else protecting you as you're protecting them. And uh, this is how we do life. We are better together as people. And so uh, today we're going to talk about that, how that looks in, in community and in, in the relationships that God has given you in your life. Uh, we have some uh, little devotions that I printed out for you over at the wall. And I just wanted to think of different people in different seasons of your life today. As we approach this message, I realize that all of us have relationships and they all look different. Amen? Does that make sense? Well, let's pray and we'll get started. And then um, hopefully you'll get something out of this today. I have. It's really good. I liked it a lot. I like it a lot. A lot. 
Okay, Jesus, yes, Lord, help, amen. Okay, so um, God is love. That's my first point today. I found that in 1 John chapter 3, 4, and 5. It's a redundant message uh, defining who God is, that God is love. This is who he is. This is what he does. God loves, and he loves a very unselfishly. He loves uh, very welcoming, and it's very different the way that God loves than the way that man loves, and we're gonna talk about that also kind of as we approach, but one of the things that I love is that the way God made uh, people, he's, he, he, made, uh, he made everything and he allows us to have free choice. We're the only thing in all of his creation that he's allowed to choose him back. And so he has such a desire to have, he's a God of relationships and he loves relationships. He loves family. He loves his family, his people, his sons and daughters. I'm going to show you here in John chapter 1 verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. But as many as received him, he gave them the right to become sons and daughters, his family. God loves, he loves his family. And God is a God that is a God of relationships. He really loves the fact that uh, like he, he, he longs to have relationship with people. That's why he made us. The darling of his creation. There's a song in Songs of Solomon that says this. It says that you've ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You've ravished my heart with one glance of your eye. And uh, what that basically means to me is that God, he made the earth and he said it was good. He made cattle and he said it was good. He made land and said it was good. He made light and said it was good. But when he made man, it was very good because he designed us to have relationship with him. And in that, when he looks at us, and we look at him and we want him back. It moves him. You've ravished my heart, my sister, my bride, like with one glance of your eye. I love that today, regardless of what your past is or what happened, if you sang any of those songs to the Lord, it moved him. It's really crazy to me. There's a scripture in Acts. This is not in my notes. I think it's in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. And it says that the disciples, they fasted and prayed, but they ministered to the Lord. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty wild that we can minister to the God of the galaxies. Like, that's, that's rad. I ministered to the Lord today with my worship. Forget about it. That's another time. So anyways, uh, so, he, so he's designed us to have relationship. You know, one of the things that I realize is, is as people, some of us have a hard time with relationships. Um, and so we have a culture now that's probably more than ever people that are introverted, right? Like we just, I, just, I live to just be by myself. If I could just get to that moment where everyone else is away from me and I have a moment of like downtime and maybe it's, I'm just a dad, you know, and I just, kids, can you just please leave me alone for a minute? I love you with all my heart, but just leave me alone. Here's, here's $25, go. My three-year-old daughter, go. Just go out in the streets, play. You'll be fine. I'm just kidding. Um, there's this show that we like to watch on TV uh, called Alone. I don't know if any of you guys have ever saw it. It's on one of those manly channels. Like, it's, I, I'm more manly just because I watch it. But this show is called Alone, and what they did is it's one of those reality TV shows, and they, get, they find 12 crazy people that are super introverts, people that live to live by themselves, and they ship them out into the woods, and they're allowed to take a few, uh, thing, a few items with them. They're not allowed to take a lighter of any kind, and they're not allowed to take a weapon. And uh, they, they say, hey, look, you can have $500,000, if you stay out there the longest, but they're in total isolation, they're not even with each other. They're by themselves. And these guys go for a week, two weeks, 
three weeks and you see guys hitting the tap button like, I can't take it anymore, you know? And many of them, uh, they don't come back because they get hurt. Many of them don't come back because they're, they're, they're hungry and they are hungry. I'm talking about guys that have gone like 30 days without food. Crazy. Like they're straight eating grass. <laughs> I've seen it. Pine bark. They're eating... Anyways, uh, their body is literally eating themselves, and, they, and th- when they have these moments with the camera they put on themselves, they're weeping, and they're saying, you know what? The only thing I want is to hug these people in my life. I just want to have a moment with them. I miss them. I can't live without them. They say, the, the, gr- the greatest source of torture that anyone can go under is... is um, Solitary confinement. It's this isolation where people just go absolutely crazy when they can't have touch or, or, or desire. Like, I long to love the people that I love the most. And yet we're a part of a culture that really wants to be alone. And I don't think that we realize that if you got to be alone, how much you would lose out. Relationships is not something that we think is a good idea. We think it's a must have. And we have to check the box to make it a priority of our life. The people that you love, you must pursue. We're going to talk more about that next week, and uh, that'll, be, that'll be a really fun sermon. I'm actually, anyways, i got to stay on this one here. Uh, okay, so, uh, so God is love, and God designed us to have relationship. My second point today is that God designed us to have relationship. He loves us. This is what you were made for. You were made to be with other people, to connect to have relationships. And some of us don't have healthy relationships, but I want you to understand that like God wants you to exist in community and in fellowship with other people. Let me take you there in Genesis chapter two. God had just created Adam and we find this, there was, uh, let me stop, don't go there yet. Uh, I can't remember a lot of messages that have changed my life. I hate saying that as a pastor, but it's real. I, my ADD kicks in when I hear other messages, and I start thinking about bunnies and like uh, other like weird things that don't you know. And so, uh, so when this uh, when I heard this scripture, my pastor who passed away uh, a few years ago, he was preaching. Uh, this was about ten years ago, and um, I'll never forget the day he preached this message, and it literally changed my life. I can remember the way he was standing. I can almost see what outfit he was wearing. But when he said this one verse, it hit me like I hadn't been hit with anything in my whole life Um, and so it was uh, Genesis and this is probably common to some of you but Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 it says it says this that the Lord God said it is not good that man should be alone I will make a helper comparable to him it's not good that man should be alone it's not good that man should be alone God didn't design you to be alone in fact, I believe that those people that when we hit the seasons of our life where we don't get a sense of love, where we don't get a sense uh, of belonging, it can be a really desperate place. Now, I want to make sure I time out for a second and I speak to everyone. I want to make it clear, God has not called everyone in this room to have intimate relationship with someone of the opposite sex. And what I mean by that is that God has not designed everyone to be married. God is not calling everyone here to date. And that does not mean that God is still not calling you into relationship. Does that make sense? Like we are all called to have relationship with people. Some are called into marriage. This is a difficult thing. And the scripture actually says that it's better that some of you would not marry. And as a pastor who counsels a lot of people, I would recommend that to a lot of you. <laughs> so uh, uh, this is like my whole job. Is maybe, yes, I'll meet with you. Uh, uh, so, but anyways, he said that it's not good that you would marry. Like don't stir up love until, it, until it's time. But um, not everyone's called to have a relationship with 
an intimate relationship with someone of the opposite sex. And so when we talk about relationships, I don't know what yours look like, but I do believe with all of my heart that I'm talking about relationship of the church. I'm talking about the calling that God has on your life when, that like for Monday when you go to work tomorrow, you're called to have relationship with those people. And, and making that relationship better is something that God is calling you to do. Like, yeah, but I, I serve tables. No, 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 you serve tables for Jesus. And, and you serve tables with a whole bunch of other people that are currently without hope, that are currently feeling like they're alone, that don't know where their finances are coming from, that I have to figure out how, who, uh, the doctor situation, and they have to do that without the Lord. I can't imagine living life without Christ now that I found him. Like getting a phone call where you don't, there's, there's, there's no hope. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm still in a situation where oftentimes I don't know where it's coming from, but I know where it's coming from. Does that make sense? And uh, cool. All right, well, let's jump into this thing here. Uh, shut up, Tim, and start preaching. All right, here we go. Um, it's good water. No one dying on their deathbed wants to see their trophies. No one dying on their deathbed wants to, someone to call them and say, hey, show me my bank account one more time. No one dying on their deathbed says, hey, uh, can, can you show me what my, what my business looked like and how, how great of an enterprise I built? No, what they want is that they would, hey, would you call my kids? Tell them to come see me. Would you call my brother? I haven't seen him in years. I'd really love to. Hey, would you call Pete? I miss him. He was good. And I'd love to spend these moments. But what's difficult, guys, is if we don't prioritize these relationships, we do grow distant. And the things that we value the most, we've neglected sometimes the most, and we can miss out on what you value the most. We're overlooking, you know, what's the, what's the, the statement that we're, uh, we can't see the forest through the trees sometimes, right? Who do you value in your life? Do you see them today? Because that's who we're talking about. What relationships mean the most to you, and how do we grow those relationships? Listen to this. Relationships, uh, Rick Warren said this, and I, it, it bothered me when I read it, and I reread it, and I reread it, and I reread it, and then I found scripture about it, and I was like, oh, maybe he's right. Listen to this. Relationships must have the greatest priority in your life. Why? Life without love is worthless. No, I don't believe that. Life without love is worthless. Without love, there's not hope. There's not purpose. One of the enemy strategies, right? We say like one of God's strategies is unity and to go to war fighting for the person next to you. One of the enemy's strategies is to divide and conquer. It was the great Napoleon strategy. Well, I see it all the time in the church. I see it all the time in families. I see it all the time in marriage. I see it all the time in the workplace. If you can get people not working on the same mission, on the same team and isolate people to make them feel like they're alone, you can conquer them. You can split up a marriage when there's not love. There's love, there's hope. And so um, life without love is worthless. Well, I found a scripture actually about it, and it actually says just that. Check this out. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Y'all know it as the love chapter, right? Love is, love is peace, uh, love is kind, love is envy, it doesn't boast, it doesn't envy, it doesn't, all these great things, right? But, but before that, there's actually this nugget that a lot of us look over where Paul is really breaking it down saying, this is the purpose of life. Let me show it to you. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and I do not love, I am only a sounding gong or a clinging cymbal. 
If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Verse three, if I give all that I possess to the poor and I give my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. I I read it this way in the message. I I love reading the message sometimes. uh, The message reads it this way in verse three. Check this out. It says, uh, but uh, I don't, Love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say or what I believe or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. What do I have if I don't have love in my life, if I can't share my life with someone? You know, what's really funny is a lot of people, when they, uh, we, we, we enter into relationships with the objective that we're going to give, and we get frustrated with the relationship when we don't receive and we back out of the relationship when we're not getting what we want. And so uh, what I'm realizing is, is this. Let me, let me take you to a different verse. I'm sorry. This is back in Genesis. I was reading this earlier to you in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And he says, For the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone, for I will make a helper comparable to him. And then verse 19, he says this. For out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bear, bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. I think that this is one of those fascinating scriptures in the world for me to, I think like Adam gets to stand there and go, you're going to be a beaver. (laughs) You are going to be a bunny. Uh, You are going to be a vulture. You are going to be a porcupine. You know, like it's just, how cool would that have been to just hang out with all the animals and go, hey, porcupine, how you doing today? Gotcha. All right. And so anyways, um, I'm weird. It's bad when I'm rabbit trailing in my sermon. All right, so so whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then one of the rib. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to him. And uh, I'm going to stop there and realize one thing. I think what is important to understand here is that um, God made woman different than man. It's a true story. And some of you don't know that until you get deeper into any kind of relationship. But it actually goes further than that. God actually made all mankind different. Different. And what's funny is you can fall in love with somebody, some community, a church for, for one particular reason. And then years later, that'll be the reason why you hate that church, that community, or that relationship. Anyone else ever been in this? No. It's, um, we're all different and it can be frustrating when we have relationship with people and we want different things in return. It's hard sometimes. In fact, sometimes it's not fair. We're like, I'm going to work every day and I'm giving all of this stuff for this community and it seems like no one's recognizing it. It seems like no one validates me or understands what really what I do for this company that's important. Seems like every day in this relationship or in this church, people aren't recognizing all the things that I'm doing for this community. You ever been there? And uh, it can get really hard and lonely. We're all 
different. Point number one today is that God is love. Point number two is that God designed us to have relationships. And this is where it starts getting good. So I realize that we're not all the same. He's made us all different. And this is really what's, what's difficult. And so my third point today is I'm realizing about relationships. I know that God loves them. But my third point today is that um, relationships can be hard. Sometimes they can be really flat out unfair. Seems like these things that I love the most actually are the hardest um, to walk out. So why is it that the people that we care most about hurt us? You ever been there? I know that uh, there's some people here that you would love to be a part of a church, but you've been a part of a church and it wasn't the best experience. I'm sorry. I want to start off by making sure that you understand that um, in this community there's some new faces that I don't know and some that I've known for a long time. I will let you down. Promise. <laughs> I promise you, I will disappoint you. <laughs> Ask Brady. <laughs> Where are you at, Brady? <laughs> Brady works on staff with me, and so he's, he's on a daily con- He's constantly fixing everything that I break around the church. He, he actually, uh, he, I, I leave cups everywhere, and he's like, yep, that was Tim's cup right there, <laughs> and that was the Tim's cup right there, and so, yeah. Anyways, I'll leave this one here for you, Brady. <laughs> um, we're all different, and uh, what's really weird is... Um, Relationships can be hard. I, uh, I think I, uh, it's, it's, I, I'm a people watcher. Anyone else a people watcher here? I love to watch people. Whenever me and my wife go on a date, we watched a movie uh, a few years ago with uh, Scott um, Farrell. No, that's not his name. What's the guy's name from the office? Steve Farrell. Steve? 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 Corell. I'm going to get there. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, and Tina Fey, right? And that movie called Date Night, and you ever see it? And uh, they go on these dates, and they're looking around at other people in, uh, in these restaurants, and they're like, they're like hey, let's, let's pretend we're, we're them, and uh, let's, let's try to figure out what they're talking about. And they're like interacting, you know? And, and the easy ones, we all have to do this, or the easy ones when people just sit there at dinner and they do this. And they just don't talk, you know? Like, golly, that's a good idea to go out to dinner tonight, huh? Man, and so, uh, but anyways, uh, I love, you know, situations where people are heated and they're mad at each other or something like that. But nowadays, it's actually more common for me to see even groups of people, uh, when they go out to dinner, they hang out, they're at Starbucks or something, I see a lot of this. People hanging out, talking to each other sometimes, and just doing this, scrolling, Facebooking, watching YouTube, watching, reading the news, uh, Googling something at Ikea, you know, I don't know what is going on, and they're just hanging out with people totally engaged in their phone. And the desire was that we would go out and connect, and it seems like we go out and we disconnect. And yet later that night, they'll go home and retreat back to their house when they are alone, and that's where they connect. They get online to connect with people, and yet they go out and disconnect. And I'm realizing that some of us have learned relationships wrong. And, uh, and I think of it's because of a few reasons. I have to stop there for a second and make sure that I'm explaining what, what's important and valuable to our church. We have four goals in our church. One's the word, one is the Holy Spirit, one is generosity, and one is relationships. And we believe as a church that it, you will grow far more in a circle than you'll ever grow in a row. I think the best sermon that you'll hear this week will be some of the ones that you guys get together and you talk about life and you fellowship and I have seen and seen and seen and seen again that those that have a hard time with relationships, you disconnect from God. When you disconnect from people, you disconnect from God. When you separate from people that love the Lord, you end up separating yourself from the faith. Why? Because I do know that God speaks 
where there's two or three or more, God is there in their midst, right? I know that as I look and I read the word of God, which is the best sermon you're ever going to hear this week. I promise. Thank you guys for coming to church. We come to church to be together and to grow together, but it's, you're going to grow far more in a circle than you ever will in a row because in a row, I'm going to talk to you, but in a circle, you get to share. You get to ask questions. You get to belong. You get to think about life together. You get to argue. It's, like, it's okay. You're allowed to disagree. In a circle. You just can't disagree right now because I'm preaching. You know what I mean? So, it'd be weird. You know? It'd just be weird. Um, in a circle, in a row. Yeah. And so um, I realize that many of you have a hard time in some of these circles. And I, I found two major reasons why people struggle with having relationships with people. We value them. We can't live without them. But most of us only want relationship on our terms, on our terms. And that's why internet relationships are so easy because when you annoy me, I can just scroll. I can mute you, I can turn you off. I don't have to look at you and it's easy because I can control the whole agenda. I can control the whole conversation. When I don't like what you're saying, I'll just be done with you. This is what we do with marriage in the United States of America. When I don't like the conversation anymore, I'll just start a new one. And this is really hard because it's not the relationship that God has defined to us. God is a God of constant commitment, of constant pursuit, of constant devotion always to us. And somehow we've, re- we've learned relationships through the process of this world. And let me explain to you, there's going to be a lot of people in your life that you disagree with. And God has still called you to have a relationship with them. One of the things that I'm realizing right now that the church is doing wrong is we have this like, concept that we think that um, the left is stupid and doesn't know anything, and we're right. And the right, well, they're just unloving and unkind. And so we think that it's okay to shoot arrows across the aisle when in all reality, God hasn't called you to be right. He's called you to love. He's called you to love. He's called you to love. And there's people in our life that we are so angry at because they're different. Everyone's different. And everyone's going to disagree with you. There are going to be, like, God, I don't know if you realize this, but the Lord is disagreed with a lot of things that you've done recently. You know what I mean? Like, you've been an idiot more times than he can count, and he is still interested in you. And this is what blows my mind and is helpful, but probably the whole redeeming part of my relationship. Some of you guys know me, and I believe that God constantly is telling me that I'm an idiot. And yet he's still constantly in love with me, and he's still constantly pursuing me. And when I'm allowing God to love me, it teaches me the grace and the mercy that I enter into relationship with with everyone that's allowed to think completely different than me and still have relationship with me. This is family. How many families actually always get along? You know what I mean? Like my, my kids, they, they will argue and argue and argue, but they love and are devoted to each other in such a beautiful, perfect way. And it's because it's you're allowed to disagree. He's made us different. But we can't control the agenda because that's not the way God has relationship with us. Because people are different and they disagree doesn't mean that we push them out of our life and keep them at arm's bay because many of us are becoming more and more introverted pushing people further and further away from us when God is calling us to embrace and love, embrace and love, embrace and love. Well, I'm going to show you this deeper, but I'm going to, yeah, 
This is cool. I think the second reason, one is control. It's a hard reason why we have a hard time having a relationship because we want to control the conversation. We want to control, like, I want to be right. I need to be right. I need you to hear what I'm saying. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, the second reason why I think a lot of people have a hard time with relationships is because of rejection. I know that there's a lot of people in this room that have been hurt and hurt by people. And people have done you wrong. There's been some people that lied to you, that weren't there for you. Some of them, it happened in the church. Some of them were pastors. Some of them were ministers. And I'm sorry, and I want you to know that you will be rejected again. Jesus actually prophesied it over all of his followers. And he said, like, if you follow me, you will be rejected. It's going to happen. But the beautiful thing is, like, like my life, I, ha- I lived a life of rejection before I came to Christ. I am... Um, I had uh, constant rejection by multiple fathers in my life. And uh, some of them I really grew to love and just really need. And uh, it was really hard when, when they would decide that they didn't want to have a relationship with my mom and I got thrown out with it. And it hurt, man. I had women walk out on me and people and family members. And I had a constant life of rejection. And what's hard is that a lot of people here have a hard time putting their heart on the table and embracing someone else because you're afraid. What if you share how you feel and they don't listen? What if I go to a small group and I don't connect with people and I share my life with them and it'll hurt? And I'm telling you, like, I don't know what, where we learned about relationship, but there's no marriage in this room that doesn't also have rejection in it. Can I get an amen from anyone that's married in this room? The people that you love the most will still hurt you. And they're not trying to. You'll be disappointed sometimes. It's okay. But rejection is real and it's harsh. And so what changed my life was the day that I found Christ. And he's the only one that has never let me down. And, uh, and now I've relearned entirely what love looks like and what it's supposed to look like through the love that God has for me. And so I realized that any relationship, man will fail you. But God is constant. And if I look for love in people in that I need them and I need their approval and I need their acceptance, it will be hard because I can only find that in Christ Jesus. And the when I find that, I can be him towards others. Does that make sense? But you need people in your life to grow closer to Jesus. And that's hard to say, but I, I, um, I need you guys in my life. I need you guys to continue to encourage me and text me and uplift me. And I made the joke earlier in the first message. You know, like, I don't know if you realize this, but, like, I know a lot of you guys believe that I'm the most spiritual person in the world and that I mostly don't walk on the ground when I walk because I'm so in love with God. I just kind of float, you know. But um, truth be said, I actually have hard days also. And when someone, like, sends something to me and they encourage me and they say, hey, look, you're, you're doing great. It's, it's a big deal. I was thinking about that and, like, we all need that. Like, people in my life that are having a relationship with, God, with, with me, they need encouragement because of all the times I'm going to let them down. I was thinking about Brady in the first service. You know, Brady, like, poor Brady. He's got to work with me on a daily basis and fix everything that I break. You all need to encourage that guy more than anyone else in this church for the sake of this community existing tomorrow. Text Brady for crying out loud and say, Brady, you're awesome. Um, but we need each other. And uh, I, I kid you not, I, this is no, I, I grow a lot from some of these messages and being able to write and listen and study and think. But I grow more on Wednesday nights than I do on, on Sunday mornings. Because I hear, oh, I never thought of that. It blows my mind. Some of the things completely different than me. I've got to keep going. 
I think this is where it's going to get good here, or at least I hope so for your sake. So I've had to relearn relationships in my life as a whole. I think some of the reasons why we struggle with having relationships, we need relationships. One, God is love. Uh, Two, God designed us to have relationship. Three, uh, relationships are hard. And one of the reasons we struggle with them is because of uh, rejection or control. Uh, But I've had to, in my life, relearn what relationships look like based solely on the way that God has loved me in my life. And I'm going to need you guys to have that same experience, especially if we're going to love the world. We can't love the world the way that Republicans feel like we need to love or liberals feel like we need to love or we don't learn it from watching Modern Family or we don't learn love from watching, you know, like we learn it from Jesus. The way that he loves us is the way that we redefine love to others. The problem with that is that if we love God the way that we love others, it's, it's easy unless you've ever been rejected or you've ever not been in a situation where you had control. Because when you really love other people, what's hard is that God loves us knowing that many of us will walk away. How many people do you know that loved God with all their heart and today aren't serving him? How does he do that? Like, how does he exist the next day, lovesick and broken over people that currently have turned their life back over to a life of sin and self-pleasure and self-gratification? I don't know how he exists. But he's constantly pursuing me, even in my sin. And I believe he's constantly pursuing you. So I've had to relearn the way we do relationships. I'm going to say this again. What I'm about to tell you will be almost offensive if you're currently in a season where you're in a relationship that's filled with rejection or hurt. You're going to feel like I'm almost lying to you and being mean to you. But I promise what I'm about to say is just biblical. And I'm going to prove it to you. But first, I'm going to take you to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. This is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. And the Apostle Paul wrote it to a group of people that were coming together every day called the church in Philippi. And this is what he said. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interests, but, for the, but each of you to the interest of others. Not looking out for your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. What's really hard about that is if you're in a situation at work or in church where you feel like you're doing all the work and someone else isn't reciprocating that, it's hard. It's hard to continue to put your heart out there when they're not, and it feels like you're being taken advantage of feels like constantly, every time I try, I'm being taken advantage of. Like, I'm doing all the work here, and no one else is doing any, any of the work. Let me show you who Christ is. Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. What I mean by that, you're going to see... Let me read verse 7, and then I'll read verse 6 again. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He didn't consider equality with God something to be used in his advantage. So God is a God of love, and he's a God that desires relationship. So in God's desire to have relationship with you, hold on, let me stop for a second. Let's pray again. Because if you don't hear anything else, you've got to hear this. Only you, Holy Spirit, can communicate this. 
Only you can communicate this. There are two callings in our life. One is to love you, and two is to love human beings. If we screw this up, we've screwed everything up. Only you can communicate this. In Jesus' name. Listen to this. In God's desire to have relationship with you, he didn't consider being God an advantage. So he took off the robe of God in heaven and, and was willing to come to earth and become fully man. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I would probably not lose my powers. You know what I mean? Like I would like to use it as an advantage to do anything that I want to do in this mission. And God felt like in order to get to you, he had to do it in the most real way possible without doing anything that was filled with control or like, I'll just love them. I'll just pursue them. I'll just go to them. So God became man. And not just became man, the scripture says that he also then became a servant. So God is taking orders from his father in heaven who's constantly just doing everything that God is telling him to do. That's hard when you're in a relationship and all you're doing is everything that they're telling you to do. And this is what Jesus is doing. He took off his authority and he lowered himself and became a man. And then he lowered himself and became a servant. And the scripture then would go on to say, and then then, he, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, and then even worse, death on a cross. See, most of us in our life, when we're in a relationship and we're being wronged, we expect others to come up to us. We expect others to treat us better because we're better than that. And this isn't fair and they're wrong and we're right. And we want them to, to be better for our sake. But what Jesus does is he lowers himself in order to serve us and teach us love. He lowers himself to teach us love. He lowers himself and he puts himself in harm's way all the time to pursue us. There is no one else that loves like this. There is no one else that loves like this. He literally said, instead of me being God, I'm going to become man. And instead of just becoming a man, I'm going to become a slave. Everyone loves to be called a servant until they're treated like a slave. Jesus was a slave for our sake, doing everything that the Father asked so he would fulfill the mission that God gave him. He said, okay, God, you want me to die? All right, fine. Then I'll, I'm willing to lay my life down and die. That's something that many people would not do on earth. But Jesus did more than that. He suffered death on a cross which is the worst possible way to get to man, but he did it to display love. He did it naked in front of family and friends. He did it naked. He was rejected by people that he loved the most. They left him and abandoned him. And here's a God, humbled as a man, naked, where he can't have a beautiful, intimate moment with people that he loves. No, he's being laughed at in that scenario. Like, we don't like being laughed at on Facebook or on YouTube or anything. And he's being laughed at in public by other people. And he's shamed. And he's doing all of it to pursue and get to us because God values relationship. And I know that many of you love relationships, but I can tell you, Jesus was willing to take the blame to make the relationship better. He took my blame and my punishment to make the relationship better. If you're going to make any relationship better, you're going to have to become small. You're going to have to lower yourself and make them great. What we do is we kneel down like Christ and we wash feet. And so if you're in a relationship today and you want to make them better because that's what values most in your life. What do you have when you don't have people? 
And so if you want to make them better, we serve them. We make their lives better. I'm going to show you. Jesus would say this. This is from my Savior's mouth. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, and I'm almost done. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be a slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom. And what happens is, is most of us, when we're in a relationship and we're being taken advantage of, we go into self-preservation mode. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. I'm telling you right now, nothing I've done in my life was fair to the Lord. I have hurt him and put those nails in his hands again and again and again and again, and he's laid it down ever so perfectly for me. How can I not love mankind the same way? We can't control the agenda. We can't always be right. Jesus was willing to be wrong for us to make us the righteousness of Christ. He was wrong so you would be right. And this is how we love. Now, this is a really hard message if you're in a relationship today where things are not fair for you and it hurts. I want you to know I get it. I want to show you a few authors that have made millions of dollars by recognizing this truth. First, it's called The Five Love Languages. You need to read this book. This book is fantastic. It's the easiest book in the world to read. It's easy, 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 easy. Basically says, you love each other. You're just not getting it. Love them the way they're asking you to love them and stop loving them the way you want to love them. Serve them. Do what they want, not what you want. And so many of us are saying, hey, look, I love you, babe. Look at all the laundry I've done this week. And she's like, I don't want you to do laundry. I want you to tell me you love me. I'm standing right here. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But look at all the stuff I've done for you. No, 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 no. If you want to love me, then do what I'm telling you to do. And the five love languages explains that we love each other in different forms. And you have to recognize that you can't, you don't get to pick how we love people. They pick how you love them. It's really good. It's good. Very good. Here's another one. This is called love and respect. This is a good one. Love and respect. It's really simple. He basically says that all guys want respect. Tell me how awesome I am. That's all men really want in their life. Tell me that I'm great. Tell me, look at that grass. Did you see it? Tell me how awesome that grass is because I did it. Babe, I took out the trash today. Just tell me that I'm wonderful because I took out the trash. It doesn't matter if you did the toilets, you did all the laundry, you did the dishes, you cooked, you cleaned up, and you fed kids. Tell me I'm awesome because I took out the trash. All men want is respect, and all women want is to be loved. Spend time, show me that you, tell me that you care. Just, I just want your attention. Well, what they say is that when women stop getting love, they stop giving respect. And when men feel disrespected, we stop loving. And when women stop getting love, they stop giving respect. And, when men, and what happens is you get into a bad cycle. And someone has to be big enough to break the chain and say, I'm willing to respect you even if you don't love me. And when then that guy starts getting respect and he starts getting these weird compliments, oh, he starts feeling good about himself. Baby, you've been so good to me. Let me buy you some flowers, you know? Look at what I did right there. I bought you flowers. And then you say, oh, those are the best flowers I've ever had. They're awful. Like they bought $1.99, really. <laughs> but they're the best. And you fill his head with great stuff and he'll do it again. Love and respect. I'm out of time. I have to keep going. It's called the love dare. 
This book is about a guy who lost everything. He lost everything in his relationship, but he realized he wanted a relationship really important. So instead of saying goodbye, he realized that regardless of whether or not, because she was leaving, he realized he had to spend every day for the next month and a half finding a new way to pursue that person that meant so much to him. And he was rejected every day, every day, every day. They made a movie about it called Fireproof. And, um, you know, Christian movies are like better than any movie you've ever seen in your life. This is good. It's a good movie. And he ends up winning her back. And uh, I've met a lot of people that have won them back. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There you go. I don't know if you've heard of my man Chuck Swindoll. But um, he talks about improving your, your serve, and this happens at work. This happens in your family. He says, basically, the more that you give, the more that you pursue, the more that you make yourself available, the person that gets promoted the fastest is the one worth the one that does the most jobs that no one else wants to do the most. One of how I learned to do ministry was I was willing to wash toilets. The problem was... I was willing to wash toilets at a 10,000-seat auditorium where there's 35 toilets. So it sucked, man. I mean, it was really, it was a really crappy job. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so, but if you are willing to wash toilets, then guess what? We'll let you vacuum. Also, congratulations. So now I'm cleaning toilets and vacuuming. And we got to vacuum a lot of, it was just awful. But I got promoted. And the more that you serve and you humble yourself and do the things that no one else wants to do, the more that people will look at you and go, that person's faithful. That person's faithful. That person's faithful. Last book here. Uh, this is called The Teeming Church. My man Robert Crosby wrote it. I don't know if any of you guys go to Southeastern, but I love Rob. He's a good friend of the, of the way. And, uh, and he's talking about basically being on a team. Look, if we want to work together, you're going to have to lose the eye. And there's a lot of, uh, of, of people that say, what about me? 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 And that's the problem with the relationship. And when you'll lose the eye, this is what makes armies do great. This is what makes communities do great. When people start coming to church and stop thinking, what am I going to get out of this? And they start saying, I have something to give. This is what makes communities beautiful and hard to resist. It's the way community church, yo. I don't know if you know. There's a lot of people that give here. It's hard to do when you're being hurt and you're being rejected and no one's looking at you. This is what Jesus did.